Welcome to Movie Mastery. That's right, we're back with the show where we review the movies that you, the listeners, recommend. It's an In Theaters Now episode, and I am, of course, always and forever your host, John. Here with me, joined in purgatory, is Jeff. Yeah, just a temporary host. I, I might, I'm, I'm keeping my options open. Yeah, you really want to make sure you, you know, you don't shut any doors, you don't burn any bridges. Yeah, you know, I've been taking some calls recently from, uh, I don't know who's the podcast. Peoria, uh, <laughs> famouser than us, uh, Chris Hardwick, Chris the Christophers, the Hardwicks. Yeah, yeah, they want me over there at that Nerdist, as it turns out, John. You better raise my salaries. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm going to raise your salary. Or else I'll go over there and talk about rich people problems with a bunch of rich people. Or else I'll have an that... episode where it's just L.A. comedians introducing themselves. <laughs> just talking about being L.A. comedians. And then in a, an ad for Blue Apron. <laughs> <laughs> John, did you know that Blue Apron will <laughs> ship you all the ingredients you need to, to go fuck yourself? <laughs> Lord, I was going to say that. <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> you literally took it away from me. What do you need to fuck yourself? Some oil? A couple of, a couple of hand towels? Some, Blue some, Apron's going to set you up. Some carrots? <laughs> Use the promo code GOFUCKYOURSELF at Blue Apron today. Uh, so this week, it is our in-theater, the poll winner of Super Close. Uh, yeah, it was really close, and I am amazed Oh, I was super amazed. Now, one of the leading contenders, the only other contender, was the Emoji Movie. I can't believe I haven't, at this time in my life, seen the Emoji Movie now. It's it's insane. What happened? Uh, Well, for some reason, there was a large push to get us to see Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I don't know if people were being nice to me or mean to me in this situation, because I've made it known on the show before that Valerian and similar comics from Belgium are some of my favorite comic books. Well, I think that's that's why we got it, is the movie looked kind of stupid, and you have some background in it. Now, how much valerian do you have contact with i've read like 10 issues of valerian it's hard to get copies of it in the u.s these days i, I used to get it at bookstores I, I, I well i say it's hard to get but i bet i could probably find it on amazon in about a second oh i'm sure I there's just, someone who's done a translation of all of the uh the books I, i'm way too busy rolling all the money i make from these shows back into these shows and also buying star wars toys yeah that's exactly it. well that's an investment in this show it, at this point it is because we have a star wars podcast <laughs> yeah uh so we, that's a justification for me buying toys yeah that's it that's, that's what, the ticket i need those toys way over there so i can uh, i can do star wars podcasts john Wait, hold on we need to start a board game review so i can justify buying all these board games john quick review a board game <laughs> uh, uh tell me about uh, ticket to ride john ticket to ride it's very basic it's great for playing with friends and family that don't play board games great now you can buy a copy how's that feel how's that feel how's that grab you <laughs> john how do you feel about settlers of Catan? settlers of Catan is in a very important groundbreaking board game and it uh, sucks it to play be played. <laughs> yeah it's a monopoly it's really important in the field but lord don't play it yeah if you do quit making up house rules don't put money at the free parking space <laughs> you're just making the game take longer you're wasting your own goddamn time grandma's gotta die soon don't make her sit there while you give her the tax returns <laughs> uh so we went and saw valerian uh, we did we did we saw valerian and the city of a thousand planets and i gotta say that was uh i mean again this is our no spoiler section it was a very pretty movie it was I a gorgeous will, movie i will tell you you know if there was any reason to go see this in theaters it is mostly just because it looks good i would i would liken it to avatar in that i don't give one single fuck about the plot but it looks very pretty yeah, exactly. This is basically Luke Besson on Turn to Eleven. Like, just, just given a bunch of money and let loose to do whatever he wants with a bunch of computer nerds. Yeah. It's it's all very pretty. It's all very crazy and inventive and rapidly jumping from one thing to the other. Uh, that said, that is all it is. Yeah, there is not a lot holding this together, especially not your leads. I think it's kind of telling that the movie starts... I mean, it starts with... A good 10-minute intro sequence with no English dialogue, which is actually kind of neat. Yeah. And I want to talk about that for sure, that alien sequence. But as soon as we get to our leads, it's just Valerian sunning himself on a pretty beach. And then the movie wants me to, to be like, wow, that was a fake computer beach. When I was like, no, man, I, I watched TNG in the 80s. I know what a holodeck is. You can't wow people with a holodeck anymore, Luke Besson. Everyone knows what that is. Even people who don't watch Star Trek know what a holodeck is. Yeah, it's... The the movie is 
just very frenetic as far as what's going on, which is why it looks so good, because you change your scenery and what aliens are there, and you get a lot of different weird places that you are set and people to talk to and whatnot, but nothing hangs together particularly well. Not especially, no. And it's one of those movies that creates a million brilliant, fascinating, interesting alien species and then doesn't give any of them any lines. No, this is very much about some humans and... And one race of... I'm just going to call them Fish Navi, because that's all they are. Yeah, and man, I could not give less of a fuck about Dane DeHaan. Oh, good lord. We want to start with the leads? I mean, let's... I'm just... I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, The acting in this is, for the most part, fairly pulpy? Like, most people are being like... It looks like their lines were taken straight from the comic book. It's almost like Luke Besson took this thing as a dare. Like... I bet you couldn't possibly make an okay movie if you picked the worst actor from Amazing Spider-Man movies and the worst actor from Suicide Squad. Huh. And he was like, oh yeah, hold, hold my French-ass beer. <laughs> <laughs> my French-ass beer? Yeah, he had French-ass beer. Well, yeah, It's I a mean, different kind of beer. It's, it's made from fresh ass. Yeah, fresh ass. Not French ass, mind you. Fresh ass. French fresh, ass is never fresh. Fresh ass, but it's French now. Well, it's been made French by unfreshening it. It's been French or fun. What I'm saying is French people have stinky, disgusting asses. Yeah. I mean, not as bad as as the British, though. No, nothing as bad as the British with their pasty, hairy butts. <laughs> Covered with thin, white hairs like those of a cave troll. Yes. Every every British person. All of them. Every and last I, one of them. Normally, I'm pretty high quality on my ass hair. There's certain types of ass hair I'm pro on. Just only the finest of hairs and oils for you when but it comes even, to butts. They don't even look like hairs on a British man's ass. It looks like, like catfish barbells back there. It's like, uh, you know when you, uh, you pet a pig mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that pig's got hair. I wonder what that's like. And then it turns out it's just like quills. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Ragging on the British, what we do here. <laughs> but so, so yeah, we've got Dane DeHaan, otherwise known as uh, Green Goblin, very briefly. Yeah, uh, and Cara Delevingne, the uh, what was she, the Enchantress, June Moon. Yep, and we got uh, two very eyebrow-heavy mains here. I, I would have before this movie, I would have told you that Cara Delevingne is a terrible actor, and I don't like, I don't want to see her in things. But then I saw Dane DeHaan in this movie, and she <laughs> turned, she turned into a straight-up lifeboat. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, I'll just say on my scale for what you should be doing with this, go see it in theaters if you're if you really like going to see like cool stuff. If you went and saw Avatar and were like, "Wow, that was amazing," and didn't immediately think, "Wow, that was Fern Gully," then great, go see this movie. Yeah, basically, uh, on the scale of how fucked up you need to be to see this movie, it's somewhere between. Sober and high, somewhere in that scale. Do not see this movie drunk or with a hangover. It's not. It's not a good hangover film. No, uh, that's you know entirely because it is very loud and flashy and frenetic. Uh, but it's also a little too busy for someone who is straight up high. So at the most, a tiny bit altered. You want to be just a little fucked up, just a tiny bit. Yeah, mostly because you're going to fall asleep in the back half. <laughs> uh, as as anyone sober will as well. So Dane DeHaan in this movie is doing sort of like a half Nick Cage, half Keanu Reeves accent. <laughs> like he turns all of his one syllable words into two syllable words somehow. Well, you know what? We'll we'll get into that all right, when we sure. come back. So we will be right back with the full spoiler review after the music. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. All the moon men want things their way. But we make sure they see the sun Goodbye, moon man You say goodbye, moon man Goodbye, moon And we are back. Let's get right into this valerian the play by play begins so valerian starts out in sort of modern day yeah it's like the year 20 uh, 2020 is when it starts so it's mostly dealing with like space station stuff like oh here's two modules that connect together and 
Now you've got a bigger space station. And so on and so forth. As bigger and bigger space station chunks are attached to a larger and larger space station, and one man with an increasingly receding hairline has to shake the hands of many different nations. And I love how the many different nations start incorporating a crazy amount of cultural dress into their spacesuits. Oh, yeah. To the point where the Indian guys had space, like, astronaut turbans on. Like, it was really weird to go, oh, yeah, you know, you've got your, like... Americans shaking hands with with the Russians the and the Chinese and the Chinese and everything, and they were all just wearing spacesuits. And then it gets to the point where like people are just coming up and they're like, "Yo, I'm in full like African dress, no spacesuit, don't give a fuck." Right, and, but there's some that are kind of a trans- transitory period. Like there's some space Sikhs yeah. that have like some sort of like uh, what do you look vacuum proof Sikh turban that, that they get to wear up there, and it's it's like wow, that's a that, that's a lot of engineering you had to do so you could wear that. <laughs> yeah, but good job, but I hey, guess. Good on them. And then eventually, sure enough, he is shaking hands with an alien. Yeah, we get our first alien, which is a big, tall, orange and green thing, like lizardy guy. Because that's going to be a thing in this. There are no aliens with hair. That's something I notice in a lot of films, and this film in particular really kind of lived up to it. No aliens ever have hair. Hair is like the one thing that makes humans unique in the universe of movie aliens. Well, it's because. I mean, practically, hair is much harder to CGI up than a blob of whatever. Yeah, sure, but we've gotten really good o- good at it over the past couple of years. I saw Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I know what's up. That Sully fur is straight up believable. But the the thing is, we just keep going to, oh, what's an alien? Uh, it's either a lizard dude or a big blob of something. Or a or- fish man. Yeah, they're we, just they're just bulbous, gloopy green things, just one after another. Yeah, we keep going to we're going to base these species on things that don't have hair. Yeah, which is odd. You'd think there'd be at least one guy who's like, "Yo, I'm basically the Chewbacca of this. I'm, I'm a, a hair cousin dude. It. I'm the cousin of space. Yeah, me, 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 indeed, and so on. You know, you yeah, he's a, he's a millennial. He's all me, 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 me. <laughs> I'm yeah. killing the beer industry. <laughs> <laughs> set phasers to diamonds destroy them <laughs> so so eventually this space station gets so big that it will destroy earth if it stays around earth so instead they shove it into what they call the magellan the magellanic drift which is apparently some kind of space lane yeah there's i guess the the space jet stream or something i'm not actually sure what's going on here. it doesn't matter it, it relies on the notion that there's some ftl space out there you could just go park yourself in and you'll go flying along because then they cut to 500 years later and the ship has gone so far away that earth is just a distant memory but 500 years at space drift speed would leave you you know within range of the sun still yeah so it, it must have gone into some kind of warp channel or whatever that just zips it along I guess. It I mean, it's sci-fi, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure there's someone was like, oh, now that we're away from the gravitational pull, I'm going to hit the shift button and alt-delete. I don't know, whatever. Hey, guys, we've been charging our turbo meter for like five minutes, so we're going to lose this race. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. we got rubber band physics. No, it's cool. <laughs> don't, don't get out ahead right now. You'll get blue-shelled. <laughs> guys, guys, I'm just sitting on this star until we get to a point where it's good. <laughs> Look, we're coming up on a turn soon, and you know I got them blue sparks. <laughs> So, so anyway, this thing floats along and turns into a giant super station, space station called Alpha. Yeah, and Alpha is where like eight thousand species all have some representation, and but mostly humans. It's mostly humans and some weird crap. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna get an even further introduction into what happens with Alpha in a little bit. But first, we got to cut to meet the Pearls. Yeah, they're they're on Planet Mule. Yeah, Planet Mule, which I thought I swear is just a Foundation reference. <laughs> But it's spelled like the half dwarves. Umlaut over a U L. It's spelled like the half dwarves from Dark Sun, but whatever. It's the planet of Mule or Mole, because they call it both in the movie. Yeah, depending on who is talking. Yep. And it is populated with fish Navi. And I am not joking. Yep. Like they are Navi that are slightly fishy, where the Navi would have been slightly catly. Yeah, pretty much. They're uh, again very hairless and glittery. That's their most notable thing, is that when you uh, when they touch any part of themselves or someone else, you're like, and glitter. Yeah, and their glitter shifts and so on. So if they're angry, like their skin turns darker, and if they're if they're happy, their skin turns a lighter shade of, of course, blue, a non-threatening, vague, vaguely sexy color. That's how, this is this is just alien design 101. This yeah. is just make them taller and wispier than humans, so that people can be sexually attracted to them. Make them so that they're always wearing like no clothes. Oh yeah, well they have to be in like, what are you wearing? Uh, pretty much a bikini or a loincloth. Or a wispy, gauzy thing where you keep thinking you're going to be able to see through it. 
Yeah. Like that sort of stuff. And then, of course, big, great, big old baby style eyes so that you can easily identify with them and find them attractive and, and non-threatening. And then make the one feature that's kind of weird and alien their ears because no one gives a shit. So these guys have folded over fin ears. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, they're just tall, sexy, glittery, ravey humans. Yeah. And uh, they're getting a whole bunch. Of, the weird thing is they're called pearls, but they're also fishing pearls. So their whole culture is... Sexy, these sexy guys wander around on a beach with nothing to do all day, and some of them go out into the like two foot deep ocean and collect pretty, pretty pearls in a big shell. And then a, a, an important one comes out and looks through all the pearls and selects a good pearl out of all the pearls and gives that pearl to a uh, princess. And the princess takes that pearl and she dances around in the sun for a while because she's wearing the gauziest outfit there is. And then she takes that pearl and she feeds it to a little baby fat dragon. Yeah, little little baby fat dragon then uh, gets I don't know diarrhea of the pearl and we don't just see where it, yeah shits out from literally nowhere a bunch of copies yeah, of this. There's no holes in the fat dragon except for the mouth. So there's all these pearls that are just sort of appearing from it. I assume that if you have the view that the princess alien does, they're like it's like super gross back there. <laughs> yeah, like it's, just just holes popping open. But the weird thing is, it looks like it's shooting out from the side of it as mm-hmm. well, and there's no holes on the side of it. So Fat Dragon is what they call a mule converter, and the converter dragon is a little fat thing that looks the same colors as that little uh, elephant monster that lived in Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg's desk. <laughs> um, wow, it looks like something that would be in the ship for the flight of the navigator. <laughs> yes, it does. Apparently, if you feed these little fuckers anything, they, they eat it happily, and then they kind of burp and fart and exude their way through a big pile of whatever it is you just fed them. Exact Yo, copies. Same, brother. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> so a whole bunch of spare pearls go farting off this little critter and into a uh, sort crater? of crater full of goop. And then the earth has veins that blue energy goes running through because of all the pearls that went running around in it. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, not to really get into a whole bunch of detail on this, but... Then a bunch of like ships and shit start crashing, and pretty much the uh, the mule apocalypse happens. Yes, the the world is destroyed by giant ship chunks crashing into it. Uh, everyone from this one little village of pearls manages to crowd their way into one of the ships where they kind of lock it up and hide in there. Except for the princess. Oh, poor princess. She gets all deadified. She gets vaporated, and it turns out that when mu- pearls die. They, they blast off a wave of energy yeah. that, that transmits their soul into someone else, because Lord knows there can't be anything about this race that isn't sexy or magic. <laughs> yeah. Now, the weird thing is, uh, we're going to find out that this wave will travel from this scene where it cuts to Valerian on his uh, fake hollow beach, who gets hit by the same wave. Yes. But the thing to me is, there were billions of these... Uh, like all of them, the same creatures yeah, on this planet, and the only one who was like, you know, maybe, maybe I ought to send a weird death wave out was this one princess. My guess is because she's a princess. Like literally, she has royalty powers. Except we see later some random dude that they have been torturing, and he does the same thing. What's funny about that is he fires off that wave, and you never see where that wave. No, goes. it never does anything. Yeah, again. it's just it's just sort of a hey, when these guys die, they fire off a wave. I just want one grungy thing about these pearls to exist because, as it stands, they're just like impossibly beautiful. They're like they're like the sort of thing you'd see in a cartoon for twelve year old girls. They, I mean, they are basically sea elves. I want them to like shit spiky balls or something. I want something bad to happen to them. I mean, granted, I watched their planet die, but I just want to see one grungy thing about them. Yeah, no, you don't want to see things bad happen to them. You want to see them be bad. I want to see one gross thing that they have to deal with in daily life. Like, I have to clean giant balls of wax out of my ears. It fucking sucks. I go deaf and shit. These things, I want something bad to happen to them. Yeah. Like, I want them to, like, wake up in the morning and their eyes are crusted over with goo and they have to use a chisel to get them clear. Because they're too fucking sexy and glittery and perfect otherwise. Well, I mean, maybe that's just you. I don't think they're particularly sexy, but then I'm not into big, weird, stretched-out blue humans. They're just, their design is specifically to play on people's attraction to like friendly animals and babies all at the same time. Yeah, that, that attraction you have to friendly animals, you pervert. Why was it the friendly animals part that made you angrier than the baby part? Well, because, I mean, at least I mean, babies are human. 
<laughs> at least babies are human. Yeah, I'm gonna take Your Honor. A, a hardline species thing rather than an age thing. Your Honor, at least babies are human. Ah, he is correct. Acquitted for <laughs> look, fucking babies. Look, at least I fucked a baby and not like a foal. <laughs> yeah, no, no one gives a shit what you do to a deer. Deer shit animals. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody care. Everyone's like, yeah, go for it. Go to town on that deer. See if you can kill it with your dick. Just because you know what? It's just going to grow up and eat my fucking azaleas. <laughs> what, what was that? You, you you fucked a moose? I'm just proud more than I am anything. Well, get this. It was a baby moose. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, the pride went down, but I'm still surprised. <laughs> so so uh, whatever. These things fire off. This one of them fires off her death beam directly into the most annoying human we're, we're going to meet in the whole movie. Which is Valerian. Valerian, which drives me insane, because Valerian is a perfectly fine character in the comic books. The Now, I have I haven't read them, but I did a little research before we even saw the movie on what the fuck is the deal with Valerian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the whole uh, series was basically a catalyst for sci-fi the same way that Lord of the Rings was a catalyst for fantasy. Yeah, and it is kind of a light-hearted, sexy romp sort of a thing. But Valerian himself is much more your classic, like, 50s kind of hero where he's like, I'm a big, beefy spaceman, and I'm out here to have adventure. I don't really... He's usually not portrayed as beefy. He's he's Kirky in, in his well, beefiness at best. Yeah. But the nice thing about him is that he's usually pretty quiet. Like, a lot of the comics are just him taking in amazing things in the world. Yeah, he's, he's less, like, action hero and more just like... I'm a cool space hero. Yeah, he's a cool space hero who's just as excited by all this crazy shit he's seeing as you, the reader at home. Yeah. But in this, no, he's a fucking pickup artist. Like, he's an annoying, sleazy pickup artist. Yeah, he has pretty much no redeeming features, I would say, in this yeah. movie. Watching him, I was just like, God, I don't like you at all. Com- competency is his one redeeming feature. He's Even g- then, it's not, not really. Yeah, it's not earned or anything, but he's a big damn super space hero for no goddamn reason. Well, yeah, because the first thing we get out of him once, well, after he does a sex wrestle with Lorelai. Loreline, by the way. The movie keeps saying Lorelai, but it's Loreline. Loreline. Yeah. Uh, And normally the comic was Valerian and Loreline, but they just left Loreline out of the title because she is just an object for Valerian to lust after. It is pathetic. The mo- he, literally, any time he is alone with Laureline, he is, starts hitting on her from the word go. Like, if she enters the room, he just goes, Hey, baby, want to fuck or get married or something? Hey, hey, let me touch you. Let me get up on you. Oh, God. what? Uh, wait a minute. I'm on this holographic beach. There's no walls for me to lean up against to stop you from going places, girl. Hologram off. Lean. There we go. So, how you doing? I consider you like a seven or an eight, maybe. Like just, just never ending. He is awful. All of his interactions with Laureline is him just going like, "Yo, yo, we should hook up. Yo, yo, baby, let's get together." And then when she's like, "No, what I'm looking for is an actual committed relationship," he's like, "Yo, you got me all wrong. I can commit. Come on, yeah, come on, give me a chance." Well, he like he straight up is a pickup artist in his initial scene because he's like, "Hey, baby, let's like fuck on this magic beach or whatever," and she's like. No, you spend lots of time fucking random women. I would like someone who is into a committed relationship. Uh, uh, let's get married. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally, all he does is escalate the the emotional stakes in the situation to throw her off her game. He is a straight-up sleazy-ass pickup artist, and he is a piece of shit, and I hate him. Yep. It's and a terrible t- person to, d- to decry or call Valerian. Yeah, it it is just awful, because this is the first we get of Valerian. Is Our first interaction is him... Essentially assaulting Laureline on the hollow beach. Of be- she shows up. She's got a drink, and she's like, "Hey, we need to go. Uh, you know, get ready for our mission." And then he just like grabs her and pins her down, and goes, "Yeah, where's my drink?" Yeah, I don't understand this this culture of the far future that sends out people in pairs that that uh, are the like same age and sexual compatibility, and they're both single. And, like, I feel like every time she's back at the base, she should be like, hey, can we get, like, one more person on my ship? I desperately need a buffer. How about, like, a gross alien or something? Anything to kill the mood. Yeah. Give me anything. because Or, or, or get You know what? Let's not reward his behavior by putting extra crew on the ship. Could you fire him because he's making my job hard? Yeah. Please, do something. I, I'm filing a formal complaint. <laughs> so, we get the two of them, and... 
<sighs> they they have the worst relationship ever. Yeah, it's a relationship based entirely on her putting up with him. Yes. It's like if, if Bond and Money Penny's relationship was straight up the moment he walks in. Hello, I'm here to see M. Let me see your boobies. Let's fuck. Let's fuck. Let's fuck. <laughs> hey, hey, no, you don't want to fuck. I'll be your boyfriend. Then we'll fuck. Yeah, the, I don't know why I've, I've got a Picard. I don't know. Bond. I don't know why you've done this. But yeah, the weird thing is uh, the movie is also very bad about the whole uh, tell and not show thing because the relationship between the two of them we have had zero build-up. Like, if you don't know anything about the comics or these characters, you just see them and you get the same reaction that we do of, this is this guy just relentlessly hitting on this girl. Who's already said no. And it's uncomfortable. But then you also, in that same scene, after they get to the cockpit, there's just a scene that exists so they can go, oh, I've gotten a perfect score on my this and that, and I'm a big hero, and I all I do is win, 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 and well, I've, the, I've got the best record in the military. My favorite thing is that he tells her that she has an Ivy League education. Yeah. And I'm like, what, did she go to space, Harvard? What are you talking about? Yeah. You're on some satellite 500 years from Earth. Yeah, she went to Chute. Shoot, wouldn't be wouldn't be Ivy League anyway. It's friggin' England. Well, it's Ivy League in space. She would have had to go to Space Cornell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's again, it's them trying to tell you the relationship of you. You're the educated one, and you've got a proper upbringing. And I'm I'm a rough and tumble guy. And we're gonna say this rather than have it yeah. come out naturally, especially because they are equally competent at everything. Yeah, uh, and his whole thing of being like, "Well, I'm just a ragamuffin who ain't never done no good for nobody," and you're like, "Well, then how the fuck are you some sort of independent super agent?" Yeah, you're a major in the military, and you've got Laureline is technically his subordinate, which is another reason why. Oh yeah, his horrible advances are the De- worst, deeply creepy. Yeah, and he even at, at several points he actually pulls rank on her in the middle of hitting on her. Yeah, it's. Oh, God, the worst. The mission that they have to get ready for, though, is... And again, there's cool ideas in this because it's... This is awesome. This this mission thing, even the, the execution and cinematography of this upcoming mission is super cool. Yeah, it is a uh, a marketplace that exists in a shifted dimensional space. Mm-hmm. So when you show up on a planet, it just sort of looks like a desert. Yeah. Uh, There's a big wall, and you have to go in, and you have to get a helmet and some special gloves, because that lets you see into the dimension where the marketplace is, and the gloves let you handle things. Yes. And so it's a really great juxtaposition of shots between these various alien guards standing at, like, gun towers around a huge empty field in the middle of a desert. Yeah, and then you look in, and it's just, like, people wandering around in a desert. Yeah, milling around and just doing stuff with their hands. But when you look at them, they're in some amazing secondary dimension that's all kind of dark blue and, and staticky, and all kinds of cool stuff is happening yeah, in there. it's this giant, multi-level marketplace that has, uh, like... A ton of different weird things that you could only get there. And the reason they are there is because uh, some gangster has found the last living of these mule converters. Yes. And also, coincidentally, because it's going to get swept up in the adventure, the last known copy of one of those pearls from the Pearl Planet. Not well, the race of pearls. No, the pearls have the last pearl. Yes, the he pearls doesn't. are there. with the. I'm just saying it's going to be in the same room. Yeah. So there's these two pearls, and they have the last pearl... And they're going to trade it for the mule converter, which is weird because you have to feed the mule converter the pearl. Well, they say... They're planning to feed it. Yeah, give we'll, we'll give you like hundreds of these as soon as you give us the converter. And yeah. then he's like, well, why don't I just take the pearl and fuck you? Which is weird because it's like, why bother at that point? If you have a little thing that defies the laws of nature and physics and can make unlimited matter, you don't need to get your room all bloody by shooting these random customers. Well, the the thing with me is I'm like, why did they even bring the fucking pearl with them? Let's go like, yo, we've got one of these pearls. We will give you a shit ton of them if you let us have this mule. I don't know. Probably because they're not used to dealing with gangsters because they come from Pretty Pretty Princess Planet. Yeah. Where the only thing they have to do all day is just dance around in happy circles and smile at each other. Ah, uh, Mondeo. Mondeo. Just, just that? Just that shit? Yeah. They basically have Simlish and they're the happiest of Navi. Yes. 
So uh, anyway, moving on from that. Oh, is the big gross alien that they have to interact with, was that John Goodman? I do believe it was John Goodman, yes. Because that was actually a nice voice to encounter in the middle of this. Yeah. So there's this big stupid alien that's like, give me that friggin' pearl or whatever. And then this is this is the coolest sequence here. Uh, Valerian has a box that he's been given to, uh, given the military gave it to him, blah. And if he puts his hand in the box, then his hand goes into the other dimension, but he doesn't. And he can wear glasses that lets him see the other dimension. So he goes on a crazy adventure where he's running around out in an open desert, but his hand is in another dimension. Yeah, so it keeps cutting back and forth between, like, him, just, you see him running around on sand looking like a complete idiot for doing what he's doing, and then it like shifts over to where the other dimension is and you can see he's like dodging around gangsters and trying to like slide under some people's stuff and things like that so it's used to great effect there's all kinds of cool shit happening in this sequence so it's a heist that's happening he's got the converter and the pearl and he's running around at top speed with both of them and then the machine breaks so his hand is stuck in the other dimension yeah so he can't normally he would be like great i'll just not be in this other dimension I'll go ahead and, you know, like, just take the glasses and everything off and just be in this desert where the other dimension people can't get me. Yeah. But his hand is stuck, so he has to sort of, like, run around half in dimension, half not. Yes, and it's a really cool sequence. It's it's very inventive. The whole thing is set piece to, like, some tourists that are there at the, at the in the uh, dimension mall at the same time that are buying dumb shit and basically just being big, dumb American tourists. Yeah. And, you know, eventually he gets his hand free, but John Goodman's so mad that he takes some giant dog monster from the one dimension to the other to chase them. Yeah, he's like, great, I'm just going to convert this dog monster to go to the other dimension and go chase them down because I want both of those things because both the converter and this pearl are the last. like the last of them and ridiculously expensive because yes. the mule converter can just make whatever. So if you're like, hey, I, wa- I want diamonds, you feed it a diamond and it shits out diamonds. I'd love to know how that mule converter got off planet. How? What do you mean? Well... Those, that was a pre-spacefaring civilization, because they mentioned that during their time stuck in that, that uh, spaceship that crash-landed on their planet, they had to teach themselves spacefaring and physics and all this other shit. Oh, yeah. So that means that there's a mule converter, like a little dragon monster that only lives on their planet, that's the last one in the universe, even though their planet is completely destroyed. So I want to know how that one mule converter got off planet and out of their hands in the first place. I mean, I have to assume that someone went to the planet beforehand and was like, dude, I got to get one of these. I need one of these fucking things. I need, you know what? I'm going to take one of these things and feed it to another one of these things because I, <laughs> I need a bunch of these. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the mule converter is weird because, as you say, the their whole story is we just floated out in space and this pearl, the only reason we even have that is because one of the people who went in there had stolen one of them and was just like, we, this thing's neat. Yeah, so there's one spare pearl because one of the refugee survivors had taken one with him, but there's this one little dra- fat dragon that's just out in the world some- or universe somewhere for, they don't explain how. No, uh, but they managed to uh, get away from the big giant monster, but the entire crew that was helping them do this mission, because they did have an entire crew helping them, yeah, uh, just They're- dies to it? They're just killed by this big six-legged rubber fat dog. Uh, you're gonna get a lot of descriptions that don't make any sense out of this. Yeah, well, but, I mean, it's a it's a big claw fang fat dog. Yeah, That's it's a, basically it's, it's it. a big bulbous, rubbery, hairless fat dog. <laughs> um, and also John Goodman's in the movie. <laughs> so, but they get away from it at the expense of the lives of every other member of their military unit that they went out there to help for help uh, for help. So they get back on board their own ship, and even though they just watched, like, nine people die, like, uh, Loreline heads off to go, like, help out the little fat dragon, and of course to change into a bikini again. Yeah, there's gonna be, like, two bikini scenes, at least she two, is, like, dress scenes. Yeah, they, they pretty much delight in getting her to take her uniform off. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's amusing because they they just watched, like, ten of their friends die, and she's like, ah. I'm going to go take a shower and a bath. And he's like, oh, can I watch? Uh." Like, have some fucking gravita, you two dipshits. I hate you both. Yeah. But apparently, in order to make our little baby dragon happy, she, like, zaps it with uranium? Yeah, she puts it in a little uranium microwave. Yeah, she puts it in a little microwave, and it gets zapped with lightning and stuff, which causes it to change color back to normal and be happy. And then she feeds it one of her earrings, just for funsies. And then it shits out a whole bunch of copies of that earring. Yes. 
And then she does it to me like, oh, wait a minute. This thing defies all the laws of the universe. Well, yeah, because the uh, the pearls and earrings and shit that they're feeding it, this fat dragon is about the size of half a football. Like, yeah, I was going to say like a like a very large rat. It's like a guinea pig. It's It's just... It's big-ish for a rodent, but it's not, like, a large animal. Yeah. So it has to, like, choke down one of these pearls that's, like, the size of a marble. And then it craps out more than its own mass in replicas. Yeah. Which, what? It doesn't make any sense. I would love to know what they normally eat. Like, Yeah, because that was the other question I had is I'm like, what does this thing do? Like... Oh, sweet. That's a cool thing for me to eat. Oh, no. I've made a million copies of it. Like, I feel like the moment something like that evolves on your planet, you have to kill them all, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, they're going to destroy your whole planet, just burying it into an army of, like, little pieces of sand or dirt or whatever it is they get in their mouths. Oh, yeah. Because one of them's going to be like, oh, I, I bit a little part of something, and then it just shits out a whole mountain of it. Hey, little fella. Here, eat this vial of anthrax. <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst terrorist on mule. <laughs> I don't know. It, anyway, it's it's a cute little monster. It's it's adorable. It's an adorable, unexplainable sci-fi monster. Which is fine. It's from a comic book about space. It's okay if there's a nonsense monster. It doesn't bother me. I just wish there was either a little more or a little less explanation. Yeah. So uh, they get contacted by their military in order to return to their big base on Alpha, and this is when we get a lot of discussion about Alpha. So first of all, Alpha is has a population of about 30 million now. Mm-hmm. And it's divided into several quadrants. There's a, the northeast quadrant where humans live, the northwest quadrant where banker aliens live, and they just spend all their time hanging from wires and doing computer stuff. Yeah, it's basically like their entire section, they've turned like panels of gold into massive computer chips. Yes, and they spend all their time computing, and they are completely not important to the movie. I assume they're just in the comic book. No, honestly, basically like everything they talk about because there's the quadrant that's like what's this oh it's guys who are very sensitive and so they do all of the like weird it's the gas quadrant and they're they're get they're mining a gas plant a huge column of gas for some kind of element yeah they're they're making like farming up gas things yeah but none of this matters and then well there's the water one too there's a there's one that's all underwater and it's populated by these blue guys with ropes coming out of their heads that light up and they are mar- they are underwater mining cobalt they said <laughs> so there's these there's all these quadrants of this huge place where humans have sort of a- accumulated this collection of friendly races that are living there which is going to become amazing when you realize it's also heavily populated with giant monsters and in species that don't like appreciate or recognize humans Yes, it's a very strange collection that you would go, oh, yeah, no, there obviously you'll have a lot of species that would have sent like a ship out here to be like, yo, we want to be represented on this thing because it's sort of like space UN. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's one race that's straight up just orcs. Yeah, there's there's a race that's straight orcs. And then there are just weird races on here that don't give a fuck about anything yeah and you're like why did you even come here yeah what do you the, the orcs are one of those it's like how do they get there they're too dumb for space travel oh yeah none of them have any tech how do, do they just stop off on their planet and go oh these fucking things are hilarious yeah, let's, let's make a whole zone for them let's put them right next to our shopping districts <laughs> let's put it right next to the red light district that'll be perfect these big dumb idiots these will these are gonna fit along great with all the hookers on hooker street <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that, we're not too Hooker Street yet. Right now, we got to deal with a bunch of military nonsense and be introduced to our bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy of this is, of course, uh, a general, and we're going to find out that General Dickface, I don't know what his actual name is, is responsible for it's gonna be one all of those, the mules being killed. I'm sure his name is one of those things that sounds vaguely like a combination of a bad like bad syllable set and, and a real name, like, I don't know, Traeger or something. <laughs> I'm sure it's something like that. Yeah. Virog. He is he's the guy who is responsible for the fact that Mule was destroyed. Yeah, although but we're not going to find that out until way later. It takes a long time to find that out. Yeah, the weird thing with this is sort of the middle of this movie is fucking nonsense that has nothing to do with anything. Cuz the beginning of it you're like, okay, everything's sort of tied together with this planet Mule. You've got our whole thing setting up what they were, everything gets destroyed, you get that wave that hits Valerian, you find a new converter, you obviously know that uh, some of them have survived, they've got a pearl, you're like, okay, cool, this is a storyline that makes sense. When they hit Alpha, it's like, 
uh, there's some radiation things going on, and yeah, uh, we got to find some stuff. And The center of Alpha is suffering from a radiation disease. It's getting too irradiated for anyone to live there, and it's, it's growing. Yeah. Uh, and every time they try and send anyone down there to investigate the radiation problem, they don't come back. Yep. And I don't know why they aren't sending down, for example, I don't know, probes or putting oh, cameras. Oh, they did. They said, we sent down probes, and then they didn't come back. So you build probes at work in radiation and try again. You're on a space station in the future. You don't need to keep throwing soldiers at the problem. Now, we don't throw soldiers at our problems now. <laughs> the, the weird thing for me about this is, as well, they say, like, oh, yeah, we sent probes, and they didn't come back, and we sent, you know, soldiers down there, and... Uh, barely anyone's returned alive, but we find out later that the radiation is just the general covering for the fact that it's these pearls that are down there. Yeah. Because he doesn't want anyone to know about it. But we also see that the pearls aren't violent. They show up and steal the general because they think he has the converter. Yeah. And they use full non-lethal force. They don't hurt anyone. They just want to get this mule back, which makes me go, so what actually happened to these guys? Like, you sent these crews down, and uh, what did they see? Well, clearly everything that you go down, the closer you get to the center of Alpha, everything just turns into lethal shenanigans. Huh. There's just giant evil monsters and crazy submarine captains and Ethan Hawke, and it's just not a great place to be. Yeah, you don't want to be there around Ethan Hawke. Nah, man, that's that's a scary place. <laughs> so apparently it's just the whole core of Alpha is just lawless shenanigans. It's like Tatooine in there. So I assume they just died the moment they went down there because they weren't Valerian. And even then, like, what happened with the probes then? Like, you'd they go, must have gotten stolen by those orcs and forced to dress up in fancy dresses. But you'd think they would have sent back some images that were like, oh, what happened with the probes? Oh, the last image we got was some big dumb idiot alien orc smashing it. <laughs> and then you wouldn't go, oh, no, we have no idea what's going on in this radiation zone. They'd go... Oh, no, these fucking orcs did it. Why did we put these in here? We They know about the orcs, by the way. There's a point where they, on their map, they're, like, tracking Valerian and Loreline, and they're like, oh, they're in that room full of space orcs. Oh, shoot, that's really dangerous. They oh, shouldn't be in there. Oh, we can't go there. That'll cause an international incident. With who? What, what, these space orcs? There's, like, a king in there. Yeah, there is a king of the space orcs. But and they he... fucking murder him and, and, and what... a shitload of other people. No repercussions. What would possibly happen in that situation? What are they going to do? Lodge a complaint? They refuse to learn to speak any languages. Yeah, and they just stay in their big clubhouse that says no one allowed. Yeah. So what What could they possibly... What are they going to do? Like, oh, kill, kill. And people are going to be like, yeah, we, uh, we have heard your proposal and your complaint, and we are filing it away for future reference. Please go away, because you have not invented showering as a culture. <laughs> it's... Fucking God. Okay. Uh, it, the, the movie just dissolves into fragments of nonsense at this point. The 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 pearls steal the general because they think he has the converter. This causes Valerian to turn on the helmet on his suit of armor and go barrel running through the entire station, just smashing through walls. Now you've seen this in the trailers if you watch the trailer where it's he's doing the whole thing where he like shoots little uh, platforms of energy that he's jumping on. Yeah, and he, ripping off Mega Man Two as fast as he can. He you know goes through water with like super boots and he yeah. falls through a tube and lands next to some people like that whole sequence isn't various things from the movie it's that one thing i assume it'd be really cool to see as a 3d film but the problem is he goes barreling through every part of uh, alpha that we previously talked about and that's it so he's just like barreling through hallways okay now i'm barreling through the gas planet part now i'm barreling through the bank part now i'm barreling through the water part now i fell out of the station which means he had to run around it in a big, huge fucking circle, because those are the four quadrants of the space station, and the space station has 30 million inhabitants. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he started his, like right in the his thing at like the four corners of this, and he just did a tiny little loop around it, sure. Except the but four then corners he... would be in the middle of the radiation exactly. zone. Well, the thing is, the four corners would be in the middle of the radiation, but it would also be nowhere near the end of Alpha, because he ends this little tour around the station with falling out of the station. Uh, can we talk about that for a second, too? Because after he goes barreling around what I have to assume is a space station the size of three Los Angeleses in about 15 seconds, he goes, hey, wh where did they go? And Lorelai says, oh, they went out door 18. Run out door 18. And then he jumps out, and he jumps out of the space station and starts falling through space, and she goes, oh, I'm looking at it upside down. It was door 81. I'm sorry. Okay, first of all, the only thing we know about Loreline, besides the fact that she's sexy and easy, easy to look at, is that she's a competent space genius. 
And the other thing being, what computer is like, yo, let me just display this to you upside down. It's the future, and we're worse than computers now. It's like, I, I can kind of see that because the space station's in space, so it's got to be viewed from a 3D angle because it really isn't an up or a down. But the first thing you develop in those situations is a one with the little nose on it. Well, the other thing is, no, it it actually is. There's plenty of gravity, and your computers are set up in a certain way with screens that go up from them. Fair enough. You're not going to be like, yo... Uh, my computer randomly puts things upside down just in case. But still, what's up with the lettering having lateral symmetry in a in a uh, system that's designed to be flipped up upside down? Yeah. If you put the little little line at the bottom of your one and the nose on the top, then it looks perfectly fine when flipped upside down. You can still read it as eighty one. That's easy peasy. Look, just look one hatch over to the left, Valer- uh, Laura line. Is it the hatch one L? Then you've got problems. <laughs> uh. So, so yeah. So he gets. Uh, jumped out into the middle of nowhere, and then his uh, his space vehicle comes for him. Which oh yeah, it's like named Stacy or something. Is like Alexa. Oh, Karen. Karen. It, I don't know. It's Karen, and it is a intelligent spaceship that also at one point reads his mind. I don't understand well, what tech yeah, he's got. She. F- he well, he has a dream that is the per- the the life of the pearls being blasted into his head, and he exudes the dream out into her like computer VR system, so she can be like, "Oh, you appear to have had a bad dream, Major." And your dream came from an outside source. I know this because I am a computer. Beep boop. <laughs> hey, I'm really glad I don't have a body because otherwise you'd be trying to fuck me, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he already has. Uh, I definitely had sex with a spaceship like a thousand times, even. Ugh. <laughs> The part, the thing that drives me nuts is there's a scene where the two he's hitting on her and they're walking down some hallway in the spaceship and she goes put up the display and it puts a huge lineup of women that he's had sex with on either side of the screens yeah and he's like but you're the only one who's ever really mattered to me baby and her response is if you really loved me you'd erase all these women and just keep that in mind because at the end of the movie he's gonna say something to connect back to that yeah all right so. He goes falling into space. He ends up in a space chase against the, uh, the the pearls because they have a cool spaceship they made that's all triangular and it can split into a million smaller ships. Yeah, it's it's one of them modular ships that looks like a triangle and then splits into triangles. Yeah, we really got to blast through to the end here. So here we go. He he chases her into the radiation, this one little bit of the ship into the radiation zone and disappears. Loreline flips out and goes out to find her. There's intrigue because the good general is realizing that the bad general is bad. Yeah, the they find this uh, Pearl who's being tortured because of the general wants information out of them. Yeah, he wants to know why they're here and what they're doing and how he can get rid of them. Because, again, he is the one that caused their entire like race to almost be murdered. Mm-hmm. And if this got out, it would be terrible I mean, for humans. It would be a huge international incident where they lose, all, they lose their, their seat in the council, their important seat at the council. Yeah, because... Because genocide's uh, against the rules, I guess. Yeah, because they were like, oh, uh, like all the records say that Mule was uninhabited. Yeah. So if it came to light that, no, he gave the order that essentially caused the genocide of an entire race of people, eh, yeah, you know, probably bad. Honestly, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, though, was the little sequence where the good general is realizing what the bad general did. Because the good general is like... Well, show me the records on this mule planet. Ah, it says here it's uninhabited. And then it cuts to some soldier running up to the bad general on his spaceship. Sir, the planet is inhabited. Well, it must just be animals. Cuts back to the good general. It was probably just animals, though. Cuts back to the man. No, sir, they're intelligent. They're very intelligent. <laughs> we've, we've got high-order brainwaves and yeah. civilization down there. Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a well-edited, very Luke Bassani scene. Honestly, the whole thing with the good general in the, in the space station is exactly like the president of Earth in, in uh, Fifth Element. <laughs> it's like they're even wearing the same kind of dopey looking green outfits. Yeah. Um, but just know that there's a good general character and he does some stuff. There's also three fun little gargoyles. Yeah, there's three little like Howard the Duck looking fucking weird uh, long faced guys Winged with wings. And they're like information brokers and they're fun little characters. Uh, and they're, they'd be very charming and fun to talk about if we were doing a three-hour podcast. Yeah, the, uh, they do make they do make Cara Delevingne put a, a jellyfish, jellyfish on her head. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Hooker Alley next to the orcs is only interesting in that Ethan Hawke is there and pretty- Rihanna is there as a shapeshifter. Also, Jessica Rabbit is there. Yeah, he walks down Hooker Alley, and of course, everyone's like, "Hey, I look like whatever. Do you want to have sex? I look like." 
like an old-timey fat French prostitute. Do you want to have sex with me? And one of them is straight up just Jessica Rabbit. And she even says, like, hey, sailor, you want to make me laugh? Yeah. Or no, you want to play patty cake? Yeah. It's like, just straight up, there's a Jessica Rabbit in there. There's also a woman who passes by and hits on him on a swing outside. Yeah. Like, she just travels by swing everywhere. Yeah, she's just got hover swing. So, we encounter Ethan Hawke, who's in the movie for about 30 seconds, as Jolly the Pimp. <laughs> uh, he is dressed like he is the main character in Jet Set Radio. And he is like, hey, buddy, you want to come on in here? And he gives a truncated version of the We've Got Pussy speech. Yeah. Uh, and basically... Uh, Fucking Whatever. Kingdom. Rihanna is a shapeshifter in here, and the only reason that matters is he needs to look like an orc to go infiltrate the orc nonsense. Yes, because Loreline got kidnapped by the orcs when she tried to come rescue Valerian. Which I would also like to say, uh, when they get captured, it's pretty much a fishing scene, and they get pulled up. Mm-hmm. She's in a cage and is being carried off. When Valerian gets pulled up, he shoots the orc who fished him up in the face mm-hmm. and then goes running after her. He sees this orc with a cage walking away, and instead of then murdering that orc as well, he's like, oh no, what do I do? <laughs> it would be an incident if I were to kill that orc, but not that other orc. And then he, as I mentioned, murders the king of these guys and a shitload other ones and does not give a fuck and there is no repercussions. So the Rihanna scene drags this movie to a straight up utter halt. Yep, because it's a three-minute burlesque dance number, completely disconnected from everything else. And she's introduced as Bubble, a blue shape-shifting gloop monster who can turn into hot ladies like Rihanna and dance around and change outfits while she dances around. Yep. And then she decides to join him on his quest, and does, because by she can form an orc costume around him. And then she helps him rescue Cara Delevingne, or Loreline. And, and then dies. And dies. That's it. That is the whole character arc is, hey, I'm a sexy lady who is essentially being forced into sex work. Now, you've saved me, so I'll help you. Oh, I'm dead. Goodbye. I'm like, wow. She dies of a wound that we don't see her sustain in the fight and don't see her after with after the fight. I just, I, I was looking at that going like, did you just straight go, yo, I'm done with this adventure and shapeshift into be like, oh, no, I'm wounded. I am dead. And then they leave and you're like, oh, fuck, great. I'm out of here. <laughs> Maybe. I'll just turn to dust. But yeah, her whole thing, she was like, I'm wounded. I think I got injured in the fight. Thank you for watching my dance. I die. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh. So at this point, we encounter the pearls, and we have a big old fighty adventure where the evil general has some super robots. Uh, he is forced to reveal to the universe that he killed off all these these people. They build a new spaceship. They get their hands on the pearl and the converter, and they fly away in Loreline and... I'm just doing the end of the fucking movie. Yeah. Loreline and uh, Valerian end up in a the year 2005 Discovery capsule together at the end, having been kicked off the planet by the the, the pearls. And at the, at the end, he immediately, because he's alone with her again, he immediately leans on a nearby wall and he's like, hey, baby, you just don't want to marry me? And, you know, I heard if you marry me, you got to do anal. <laughs> and, and she's like, uh, I don't want to say no to you because I'm in an enclosed space and I want this to be over. So maybe... And pan out credits done. Yeah, the goddamn this movie is the it's not the worst, but everything with Valerian and Laureline, their interactions is the worst. The movie's not the worst. Valerian is the worst. Yeah, and it makes me sad because I'm a big fan of those comic books. Oh yeah, they just character assassination on these people so bad. It's it's real bad. They're trying to go for that same, like I was saying earlier, they're trying to go for that fun, sexy, Bond and Money Penny vibe, which even viewed in the light of like modern day, Bond and Money Penny is fucking gross. <laughs> like every time he's in there, he's like, hello, I'm here to see Am. I'm trying to do a different British accent. And she's just like, just shut the fuck up and sit down. Please do not hit on me. Please do not make a reference to my bosoms. <laughs> my bosoms. And just that's the, I'm going to. It's just like it's the Archer moment. Swear to God, Archer, I've got HR on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what should be happening. And it's what should be happening with a uh, fucking Loreline. Yeah, but Ho- no. Hostile work environment. Please knock that shit off. Yep. You know Captain Kirk was in a TV show, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the I mean, and as I said, there's nothing earned here. No. The, the relationship isn't earned. The entire uh, idea that Valerian is like the biggest damn hero in the universe not earned because all he does is like when he chases after these pearls he gets fucking knocked out and sucks and has to be saved yep it's just 
everything in this is very pretty, but it 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 feels like it tried to smash like four different graphic novels into one thing and they just rushed through and had to tell you everything instead of showing you. Yeah. One there is a specific issue of Valerian that is my favorite comic book of all time. And I swear I, I Luke Besson's already said that he's writing two sequels to this thing. So I, I swear I hope to God that he is not picking that one. <laughs> and it's it's an amazing comic book. It's almost completely it's almost narrated entirely. There's no like uh, vocal performance or, or no uh, speech bubbles. It's just it's just narration. Yeah. And it's him competing to be the person who repopulates a planet with three other burly heroes of other planets. Huh. So there's it's it's the whole book is split into four lines of stuff that's happening as a sort of druidy man, uh, a, a champion of the people style kind of communist super man and a big burly knight go off and just get into crazy adventures to try and prove themselves to like this goddess of this planet and it's so pretty and it's so neat between the the different ways that the four of them are handling challenges and stuff and valerian of course is handling all the challenges through just being you know a guy in a spacesuit with a jetpack <laughs> so they're like you have to fight this big thing and he's like now nah, i'll just fly past it you, I'm you, good. Have to, you have to go up this crazy cliff face all right i'll pick my way through it and then fly when i'm clear Meanwhile, the other one's like, I'll get in a wrestling match with a super ox. <laughs> it's it's super cool. Uh, and, you know, kind of it's earned at the end when Valerian kind of wins. And it's got a hilarious joke at the end because he has to sleep with the super goddess of the earth. And he has to use so much of his genetic material to do this that when Loreline finds him, he's three inches tall. Uh. It's a great gag. It's it's hilarious. But uh, I, I, please stay away from that one, Luke Bisson. Uh Yeah, well, anything where the entire crux of it is... Uh, we're going to compete to see who gets to fuck a super lady. Yeah. I don't want Luke Besson to do anything with no, that. Because the ending of it is kind of sweet, despite the fact that that's the ending. It's, it's, it's kind of cute and sweet as all these little kids come running out and everything. Everyone, it's, everyone's happy. Uh, I don't know. I just don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen with Dane DeHaan. <laughs> uh, so, I don't want Dane DeHaan to happen. No, that is also very true. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into our best and worst then on this. Sure. All right, so give me your best in Valerian. The best thing is something we didn't even talk about, the crazy sea captain piloting a submarine through the watery depths of this of this space station. <laughs> that is true. We did not mention him. He is an amazing character. I think he might be played by someone you've heard of. I'm not sure who, though. But he's got, like, one dead eye and a gross beard, and he's just he's piloting this little yellow submarine through, like, super giant water monsters, which... For some reason, this space station needs to have a bunch of 400-foot-long water monsters on it. Yeah, well, I mean, some race was probably like, yo, these are our water monsters. They have to come with us. Yeah, we can't go here without our cool water monsters. And uh, they have to steal a jellyfish from a breathing tube on one of the water monsters, which angers them. (laughs) But he's a great character, and he has some really funny interactions with Loreline. Yeah. So he was definitely my favorite part of the movie. And that whole scene was very visually pretty as well, with a a dream jellyfish. Yeah, and and it was great because, you know... Valerian wasn't anywhere near it. He was unconscious <laughs> the whole time. It was perfect. It was a perfect amount of Valerian. None. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Uh, I mean, if I I really have to narrow it down on this, I'm going to say I really liked uh, the... Uh, what was it? the juxtaposition? Popcorn. The popcorn we yeah, had. I really liked that popcorn. God, yeah. I, had a, I had a cherry lime Slurpee. That was delicious. Yeah, yeah. So that was <laughs> the best part of this movie. No. Uh, I I really liked the visuals in Hooker Alley. Yeah, uh, it was pretty. Honestly, it's it was interesting, not even just what he saw, and of course the weird references to various other things, like the Jessica Rabbit and the, the person on the swing is very much, I forget what the name of the painting is, but she looked like that painting where it's someone on that swing that has the vines going down the ropes and she's like kicking a shoe off. Yeah, I don't remember it either. It just connected me to the Moulin Rouge movie. But there's a whole bunch of weird alien things as well back there and it's it's visually very interesting and the fact that it exists (laughs) right next to the orc clubhouse i don't know why that tickled me so much it's hilarious it's this unbelievably huge space station that appears to be about a football field across yeah uh i i think the fact that it felt so small was terrible and yet it tickled me so fair enough (laughs) there you go all right. And the worst thing for you? Uh, Valerian? Yeah, just, I mean, just go ahead and take Valerian. It's sure. fine. Dane DeHaan's performance, I don't know if this was his idea or, or his fault or not, but he plays Valerian, uh, which is sort of a fun, lighthearted character, as just a sleazy, taking advantage of his of his power character for the entire film. Like, I wouldn't want to be alone in a room with this guy. No. that's And that's that's a problem when he's your lead. 
Yes. It's not fun and sexy for him to just be like, hey, baby, let's let's fucking hook up. Like, every time he's alone with his subordinate on a spaceship where she can't get away from him. Yeah, and it's not even like... We don't get scenes where, like, before this happens, say, uh, Loreline does something super awesome and competent, and he gives her, like, a look of longing, or you get any sense that he has an emotional attachment at all to no, her. It would have been nice to see them go on a first date, for example, and been like, hey, we have, we're kind of compatible. By the way, it's okay if you relentlessly flirt with me. I'm into that sort of thing. Yeah, or even, like I was saying, just give us a scene where there's some chemistry between them first before this happens. Yeah, that would have required there to be any chemistry between them. Yeah. There, and and there, there was not. There was more chemistry between Loreline and that gross sea captain. <laughs> yes. There was more chemistry between her and that jellyfish she stuck her head up. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that, that, that was a problem for me. The character, I, I like Valerian in the comic books. I don't like Dane DeHaan all that much. And, boy, he really just, he really just railed that character into the ground. <laughs> all right. Your, uh, your least favorite thing? I mean, I absolutely hated that. We've gone on and on about Valerian and that relationship. But I'm going to go ahead and say the worst thing for me was the middle third of yeah. this. Usually, and I've heard this a lot, people say, like, oh, the last act falls apart. Uh, but for me... The first act and the last act pretty much hang together because mm-hmm. it's all about the pearls. Uh, this, the pearls and their race and what the humans did and everything like that. And it kind of hangs together. The middle third is just wheel spinning dick around as Valerian runs around being less an agent of the government and more like a kid who's just running around being an idiot. Yeah. Like he's got a superpower exoskeleton suit and he's like. Oh, I can't use doors. I was going to crash through things and break this entire station. Yeah. There's a point where he crashes into and then out of the water part of the station with no mention for what's going to happen when he leaves. Yep. There's just, just nothing. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, also, I think one of my other least favorite things in this is how the Pearls are also relentlessly forgiving about their planet having been destroyed. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, it's cool. It was like 17 years ago. We're over that now. We learned how to forgive. All we want to do is start a new planet. Please don't don't beat yourselves up over it. It's fine. We are literally the most enlightened possible race. We are the best race ever. Yeah. We make the friggin' like uh, Navi look like mean dorks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the middle third of this is just just the worst nonsense garbage that it has a lot of cool things going on but it doesn't matter yeah like i would watch a rihanna burlesque number where she changes her outfit like automatically yeah i mean it was cool cool looking magic tricky sort of ways where she like pulls a hula hoop over herself and changes costumes again that was a really cool sequence it had nothing to do with the film no it was it was just filler yeah so there you go. Like Godzilla, it was pure motherfucking filler. <laughs> what you should do is get your eyes on the real killer, which is the scores of this film. <laughs> Lol. Uh, so the... Uh, Godzilla. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was our best and worst. Let's, let's get our score. We're each going to give a 1 to 5 to give us our total out of 10. Jeff. I'm going to give this thing a 2, and that's almost entirely for visual effects. John. Uh, I'll give it a 2.5. It was... Visually very stunning, and, you know, I could watch it without being bored, but then again, I also was watching it and was angry, so, you know, I'll give it the two and a half. We'll go with a four and a half out of ten, then. John, John, I went to the bathroom twice during this film. Did the John Goodman character ever pop up again? No. Okay, just checking. No, he was just there. He was very angry that someone stole his thing and then never gave a fuck again. He had a gun that split in two so he could shoot two people at once and that was adorable. Yeah, he had a gun split in two so he could shoot two people at once as long as they were precisely where those two people were sitting. Well, I don't know for sure that that thing doesn't have multiple levels of swinging wide. (laughs) It's got an auto corrector so it'll go however wide it needs to. It could be that the trigger, before you you pull the trigger all the way down, you pull it down to the amount you'd like it to stay and then it locks there. Except it goes bring and like sprung out immediately so you don't really have a lot of time to adjust that. (laughs) Okay, well Maybe he just set the chairs up before they sat down correctly. Yeah, he's like, yo, okay, if I hold my gun like this, right. then people will be here. You two, Let me put thugs, the chairs there. Thugs, thugs, get in here. Sit down right there. Don't. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm not going to. I'm calibrating. Jesus. Just, God, you guys are so. Oh, oh, damn. oh, damn. I did shoot my guys. Oh, damn it. All right. Well, I, I got to get some more faceless chuds right. in here. I only shot one of them, so that means you need to move over a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, four and a half. Four and a half out of ten. Not the best. Uh, definitely only really good for the visuals. Yeah, and stunning though they are. 
Yeah, don't. I, I can't recommend. It's not a recommend for no, me. No, it's an overdose on eyebrows. It's especially one of those things where normally I would say, oh, this movie is bad, but if you like the source material, maybe go see it. This is, if you like the source material, please do not see this. Yeah, as the first, the only person I even know who likes this source material, please stay away from it. Yeah, because it is going to ruin the source material. Yes, it is. Uh, so there you go. Thank you so much for listening. That is all we've got for this week's Movie Mastery. Oh, I had so much more. Oh, oh there was time now. <laughs> I wanted to talk about all the things that we haven't spoken of yet, like that Asian dude who was the important guy in the in the control room. Yeah. Or those robos that the evil general had control over. Yeah, the, I, I mean, I would love to talk about the logistics of these robos that can't be shut down when the commander is gone. Like, yeah. what if the commander has a heart attack? Yeah, what's what if these robos just going to sit there in kill mode forever? Just stand there forever and not do anything with their weird leathery necks? And they were called K-Trons? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So if you want to suggest a movie to us, you can, of course, go to Reddit, r slash System Mastery. You can make suggestions on our big list. And we'll have the poll up for next month's in theaters. You can go ahead and vote on what you want us to see, what you want to hear us review. And that will be up by probably the beginning of the month i'm kind of shit about that i'm gonna let you know right now i occasionally forget to put that poll up you, you also don't know to put up the downloadable link to the, the oh movie i mess. do <laughs> i just didn't last time <laughs> well, i'm just giving you shit because it's fun uh so you can go ahead and find all of that there and of course we've got a ton of other podcasts we've got expounded universe we started doing where we're reading expanded universe star wars novels that are pretty much just the one so far yeah basically just shadows of the empire but it is the greatest thing that we have done i don't know if i want to read a star wars novel that doesn't have she's already <laughs> and uh of course our main one system mastery where we review rpgs and we've got our live play well actual play it's not really live but we do <laughs> it's live and we're doing it yeah we do uh gamma crawl x and all of that can be found at systemmasterypodcast.com and if you want to ask us any questions you've got any comments you want to leave we are System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, all of that. You can leave your comments, questions, reviews, whatever. I don't care. Put them all in there. We love hearing from you. I actually super love whenever anyone leaves us a comment. It's great. It's always really fun to read those. It just brightens up the day. Yeah, so go ahead, do that. And if you want to support us, you like what we do, we do have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. And you can give us a dollar, get you access to some bonus content. You uh, are going to help us out a great deal with that because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm super poor. He is super poor. <laughs> I am I am barely treading water here, he is folks. The, he is the poorest person you've ever heard <laughs> that actually I, has a show. Yeah, I'm living in a box right now. You'd, th you'd think you've probably heard poor people talking, but I assure you, you have not. <laughs> uh, no, just... If you like it, go on there. If you don't, doesn't hurt our feelings. Except for mine, it hurts my feelings. You're making me sad when you don't give me money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we actually have a fun... We don't really have any goals we're trying to hit right now, but my, my personal dream is that we'll have 400 subscribers by the end of next week. We have 392 right now. Yeah, so if eight of you listening right now yeah. aren't subscribers... Go in, give us 20 cents. I don't give a shit. I don't care how much. I just want to see that 400, that, that 400 because next week will be our four-year anniversary of doing all these shows. Yeah, so if we can hit the 400 number with the fourth year, it's going to be a nice, round, even number. It'll That'll make, be fun. It'll make me feel real good. Yep. So anyway, we will be back in a couple weeks with more Movie Mastery, but until such a time as we come back with that, you have a good one.